Good evening, everyone. As, as Father Larry mentioned, my name is Deacon Mike Leem, and I am the legislative liaison for the Diocese of Cheyenne. And I'm very happy to be back here again at uh, St. John the Baptist Parish. I was here a couple years ago. Um, and I'm actually here today at the request of Matt Potter, who was the Director of Stewardship and Development. He was supposed to give up, come up and give a talk on uh, the Living and Giving in Christ appeal um, for the diocese, but because of a conflict in his schedule, he couldn't be here tonight. And so it didn't take much of an arm twist to get me to come up here in his stead to, to beautiful Buffalo. Matt didn't ask me to spend a lot of time on, on the Living and Giving in Christ appeal, but it is natural that I would be able to speak to it some because it's precisely because of your generosity to the appeal that I'm able to do the work that I do in representing the diocese to the Wyoming legislature. Obviously, that's just a small part of everything that the appeal supports, but it's the, port, the part that I'm most familiar with. My job, in the most basic sense, consists of shining a light on human persons affected by legislation especially for those who cannot speak for themselves. And though it is sometimes the case, most often it doesn't consist of sending action alerts out or mobilizing folks to support or oppose bills. That happens sometimes. But most of the time, it's talking to legislators and testifying in committee on behalf of the common good. The other part of the job is really defending the church. Archbishop Fulton Sheen used to say that there were not a hundred Americans or a hundred people in America who hate the Catholic Church, but there are millions who hate what they mistakenly perceive the Catholic Church to be. And so I try to help people with those misperceptions and encourage other Catholics to do the same. We have to highlight our Catholic faith. It's easy for others to hate the idea of the church. It's a lot harder for them to hate you, who are the Catholic Church. You are their friends and neighbors. You are the ones, and as you live your Catholic faith, they, have, they begin to perceive the real, the real Catholic Church. The job isn't easy. Some days I wish I was still firefighting. I joke, you know, and I joke with Bishop Aitchin at the time. I said, you know, fire isn't really trying to kill me. It's just doing what fire does. I'm not sure everybody that hears me speak maybe is so, has such good intentions maybe at times. But I love the job. It's a great uh, job. And so I thank you for your generosity in the past and for your consideration uh, moving forward in the future. And I would also ask you to please... Uh, Remember me in your prayers if you get a chance. In today's reading from the gospel, we see that the apostles are confused. At, at first, they're probably more convinced of Jesus' divinity than his humanity. So he shows them his wounds, and he eats it with them. Very sacramental, I think. We also experience the divinity and the humanity of Christ when we bear our own wounds in the confessional and when we receive the Eucharist in the meal with, with, with our Lord and with one another. Since the beginning, Christians have struggled with the mystery that Jesus is one person with two natures, both divine and human. 
The earliest heresies came out of these struggles. Arius concluded that Jesus was not really God. He was a man, the greatest of all men, but still just a man. And the church said, you cannot say that about Jesus. Having had his divinity affirmed by the church, other movements then came about suggesting that maybe Jesus wasn't truly human, that he was God just sort of pretending to be human. And again, the church spoke and said, you cannot say that about our Lord. Neither claim is biblical or in line with tradition or the teachings of the apostles. And so it has always been a temptation to deny either his humanity or his divinity. And I, I think that's still a temptation for us today. We most likely won't hear people in the church blatantly deny Jesus' humanity or his divinity, but you will hear them emphasize one nature to the extent where maybe they obscure the other. This is a problem. You see, because what we believe about Jesus affects what we believe about ourselves. And it affects the way we accompany others as disciples of Christ. If we only think about Jesus as God, then we can be tempted to only focus on the life to come and ignore the importance and meaning of this life and all the suffering that is experienced in it. We can become overly focused on legalism we can deny the humanity of those we accompany. On the other hand, if we only think of Jesus as human, we can be tempted to see this world as our home. We can accept a relativist morality that says, there's really not any right or wrong, no eternal consequences. We don't really need to worry about the commandments too much. And we can deny the heavenly calling of those we are accompanying. I tell a story to illustrate what it's like to accompany someone without considering their eternal welfare. One of my old firefighter buddies told me this story. He said one day he was working on engine four. Now engine four is one of the busiest engines in all of Fort Collins. It was a late summer afternoon when a call came in. The crew assembled at the engine. The captain read the dispatch information and announced to the crew that they were about to go on a rescue for a duck. It seemed the little fella had gotten his foot stuck between the roof of a house and the rain gutter. So they responded. My friend said they pulled into the neighborhood and when they rounded the corner, it looked like the whole community was out gathered, waiting with great hope and expectation. So they pulled in and sure enough, there up on the roof was a poor little duck flopping around. They got off the engine and everyone was just looking at them with admiration. They grabbed the ladder off the engine, laddered the roof. The other firefighter climbed up and began prying against the gutter. The poor little duck was frantically flopping this way and that. When all of a sudden he pulled his foot out and took flight. And the whole neighborhood erupted in cheer. Yay! They all continued to watch as the duck made his victory lap. When all of a sudden, to their surprise, he turned and flew directly into a transformer and was electrocuted. There was nothing left, he said, but the smell of roasted duck and a cloud of feathers cascading to the ground. 
Meanwhile, the crowd, which had just been in the throes of celebration, went from yay to oh, no. My Lord, Brett, I said, what did you guys do? He said, we did the only thing we could do, Mike. We grabbed our ladder and we went home. I said, but the people, did you say anything to the people? He said, what were we going to say to them, huh? Is there anything else we can do for you folks today? He had a good point, I thought. My guess is that the people of that community had had enough of their quote-unquote help for one day. To truly accompany someone as the church intends does not mean seeking their temporary relief at the cost of their eternal well-being. Lest we help them out of the frying pan and drop them into the fire, we'd better keep the big picture in mind. On the other hand, if we become so focused on our ultimate destiny that we ignore the tragedy, the tragic reality of people's lives, then we're not accompanying them as we're required to do either. I don't really have a funny story to illustrate that extreme, but we've all seen it. We've had a family member or friend who's broken and wounded, and maybe they have a complicated situation in their life that has led them down the wrong road. We're so tempted sometimes to hit them with the truth, especially if they've ignored our counsel in the past. Obviously, they need to hear the truth, but often people are too broken to receive it right then. At that moment, more than anything else, they need to be reminded that they are loved. So what does authentic Catholic accompaniment look like. I do have a story to illustrate what I think that looks like. One day my crew was called to a young girl who had been hiking at Horsetooth Rock. She, she slipped and fell and landed on a five by five rock shelf about 30 feet below. She broke her leg and several ribs which penetrated some internal organs. And she had a concussion, was delirious, and very frightened, obviously. We were afraid in her state of mind that she might end up falling the rest of the way, which would have killed her. So as quick as we could, we set up a lowering system and sent two firefighters over the edge. They were able to get to her, give her some pain medication, and calm her down. And then they packaged her up in a litter, and the rest of us began switching over to a raising system. We were eventually able to get her out, and the other two firefighters as well. She was put on a helicopter, and she's alive and well today. Glory be to God. How was this rescue possible? There were a lot of factors that played into it, but it all started with having a solid anchor. You don't dare send anyone over the edge without a solid anchor, or you end up potentially with more victims. And we had to get to her. It would have done no good to come up short of her and throw her to the end of the rope and say, here, grab on, that'll, that'll help you. Her body was too broken for that. We couldn't just lower our guys either to where we wished she was. They had to go all the way and meet her right where she was. Lastly, it was an agonizingly slow process. Sometimes the movements were no more than an inch at a time. But gradually, we got it done. I think in the same way, 
authentic accompaniment, as Pope Francis is calling us towards, requires that, number one, we be solidly anchored in the truth. And who is the truth? Jesus Christ, true God, and true man. To accompany anyone without Christ as our anchor is to risk becoming victims ourselves. Second, we have to meet people where they are, not where we wish they were, but in their actual broken, wounded state, showing them compassion, loving them right where they are. And it is love that will begin to heal them and help them overcome their fear of the truth. How does Jesus get the apostles to overcome their fear? He shows them his wounds. He loves them enough to do that. As he did, so must we. We show those we accompany that we have common ground with them because we're wounded too. And finally, it will probably take time. Just like that young woman was brought closer and closer to the anchor, little by little, those we accompany will gradually be brought closer and closer to Christ, true God, and true man. Now to make sure that I'm filling my friend, fulfilling my friend Matt Potter's request, I would ask you to please consider uh, continue supporting the Living and Giving Christ appeal. I thank you so much for your past generosity and once again, we just ask you for your continued prayers.